Hello and welcome to this episode of the Light and Lion podcast. My name is Dakota and I'm joined as always by my co-host Chris. Uh, today we are continuing our series in critical questions or on critical questions. Today's is one that I'm really excited about diving into because I definitely think that it is obviously very applicable, but I think especially with COVID changing kind of the dynamic of what it looks like for a lot of us, I think that it's going to be a really good conversation. And that is, as a Christian, do I have to be involved with the church? Um, and there's a lot that's going to go into that. So let's just dive right in, Chris. The first question, kind of overarching thematic question that we like to start off with is, what is church? How do we define it? How does the Bible define it? Let's just jump into it. Yeah, I mean, how much time how much time do we have to, to answer this question? I kind of joked ahead of time that we could probably spend 30 minutes just answering what is the church right. and, and all that. So I thought to, to prevent that from happening, not that that would have been a bad thing, but uh, to prevent that from happening, I actually wrote down a defin- uh, just what I believe to be a biblical, concise definition of, of the church. So I'm just going to go ahead and read that. Um, so the church... And again, this is in my words, but I believe this is true uh, to what the Bible communicates. The church is not a place, but a people. Uh, The word ecclesia literally means the called out ones or the assembly. And the people here are specifically those who have been regenerated by the Spirit, have come to faith in Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the only head of the church, the only authority of the church. And his people, those who he has saved and redeemed, make up the body um, and the ultimate goals of the church are to edify the saints and to fulfill the Great Commission. So that's my concise definition of what what is the church. Right. I hope that was okay. Um, definitely recommend people to you know check me on that. Make sure that I didn't say anything there was that was uh, counter scripture, but um, or scriptural. So right. But yeah. So that's kind of my my high level. Uh, definition. I think that's a good place for us to start the conversation um, concerning whether or not people need to be involved with with their church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do want to say early on that when we are talking about the church, we have to distinguish. Uh, we have to be a little bit more clear on our terms, right? Because when we say church, what is likely coming up in someone's mind is the picture of a building that has a cross on it um, or some stained glass they're likely not thinking of the definition that I just read. And so the way that we will attempt to distinguish that uh, between those two in this episode is we're going to talk, if we're talking about the spiritual church, we'll probably call it either the spiritual church or the universal church. Or if we are talking about, you know, the building, we'll probably refer to it as the local church, you know, where local believers gather. So I just want to make sure that I clarify that because the terminology can get a little bit confusing. We use church in all kinds of, you know, ways that we tend to just switch out uh, without any explanation. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I talked about that right. um, quickly. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, a couple, a couple things on, uh, on that. There was a lot of, a lot of meat there um, just in that very, very concise definition. That was really helpful. Um, yeah. It's funny because I had the, uh, the Greek ecclesia um, as well, um, which is just essentially a united assembly of believers, I think is is kind of a paraphrasing of sort of how that's used um, in the Bible. And then I have a couple scriptural references here that I'm going to dive right into. And this one is going to be, um, at least on my end, a little bit less. Um, I know often what we'll do is we'll, we'll have 10, 15, 20 different scriptural references that we'll read through. And, and there's so many that we kind of just start firing through them. It's going to be a little bit less of that today. Um, so I have a couple right off the jump, and then it's going to be a bit more conversational. So just to kind of give us a foundation here of a couple examples. Um, and all all three of these that I have here are actually in Acts. 
which is a good example of, of the church. Uh, so Acts 9.31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Uh, Acts 8.1 and 3, it says, I mean, this is talking about when Stephen was, uh, was executed um, and Saul was there. It says, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And then verse 3, But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And then Acts 12.5, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Um, so I want mm. us to think about as we're you know, kind of emphasizing the word church there, if we have the view of church as a physical building, that quickly falls apart as we're looking at these verses, because obviously earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. A physical building is unable to perform a prayer. So um, yeah, that's something to, to, to keep in mind. And like you said, it is, you know, oftentimes our, our English vocabulary is unable to properly contextualize or, or give the proper wording for, you know, for certain things, you know, like love is a big example, right? Like I think the Greek has like three different words for love. We just have love. And so I think we can see that in, in the church or in the assembly, it's going to be different things. So at times you will see that when, you know, Paul is talking about a church, he's talking about a specific group of people in a city, um, like Thessalonica or something like that. At the same time, we also have the church as a whole, which is the body of believers. So I think it is important to, um, as best as we can, kind of qualify those things. So, yeah. So kind of. Did, and I wanted to yeah, touch. Yeah, uh, real, sorry, but I wanted to touch real quick because I I gave two functions, and I thought maybe, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, um, but I had I had said the church is responsible for two things. And I kind of, because I do think that helps frame our conversation for answering the question, why do I need to be involved with church? And if our listeners will think back, you know, about two minutes ago, I said that the church is really called to do two things. It's called to fulfill the Great Commission, and it's called to edify the saints. And so I really I, quickly, I just wanted to touch on those two, what I mean by that, because we might have listeners who are like, I don't, <laughs> what does edif- edification of the saints even mean? Right. Am I a saint, you know, if I go to church? or? And so I just want to give some clarification on that. So concerning the Great Commission, um, obviously now if you don't know what the Great Commission is, it's simply when Jesus, he commissioned his apostles before he ascended into heaven, and um, he, he told them to go, therefore, to all nations, baptizing them and teaching them uh, to observe all that Jesus had commanded. So that when I when we talk about the Great Commission on the show, that's what we're referring we also to. Have a whole episode our, to, we also have a whole episode on the gospel. If you haven't listened to that um, and you're confused as to what any of that means, go check that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good call out there, Dakota. Um, And so that's what we mean when we say the Great Commission. So first, it's important to realize that the church plays a big role in that Great Commission. And what I mean by that is really the church is the means that God has ordained um, to carry out the Great Commission. And if we look at the parables, not all of them, but a lot of them, Jesus is describing this time, right, where the kingdom of God has already come. It's come in principle, but it has not yet been fully consummated. That's going to happen at a later date. And obviously the, the, the people at the time didn't realize this, but this is um, talking about when Jesus returns. That's when the kingdom of God will be consummated on earth and Jesus will reign as king. And so what I mean when I say the church is the means that God has ordained um, to fulfill that great commission, what I am trying to get across is that 
if we are going to call Jesus Savior and Lord, and we are not going to participate as the church in the Great Commission, uh, that's problematic for us, right? And we're getting into the whole topic of, do I need to participate in church? Well, according to the Great Commission, absolutely you do, because it is something that Jesus has commanded us to go and to teach. Where do we teach people most often? Of course, we have Bible studies and we have small groups and even podcasts that we can listen to to learn about God. But where does that predominantly happen? It happens at at your local church. And again, we have to distinguish between universal and local. But still, the, the point is, is that that was a commission not just to the apostles, it was a commission to the Church of Christ. Um, And then the second, concerning edification of the saints, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 14, Paul talks about this. He's talking about, you know, does does the foot say to itself, oh, I'm not a hand, so I just, I'm useless, you know, and the obvious answer is no. And uh, kind of the point that Paul gets at here is different gifts have been dispersed as God has seen fit all throughout the church. Dakota, he has the spiritual gift of being able to lead people in worship uh, musically. And I know that's not an official spiritual gift, but it is a talent that he has given to Dakota. And that's important. We do need to sing to Christ. That is not something that I've been gifted. If I tried to, you know, step in as a worship leader, I would be fired after the first song, right? Um, But my point to saying all that is as a church, as the body of Christ, God has given us all different unique talents and abilities that he intends to use for his glory and the furthering of the gospel. And that is why, and I'm going to go ahead and give my answer. Yes, as a Christian, you have to be involved with the church. I think I've made that clear, but it is for those two reasons that um, I state my case. So Dakota, I'm sorry that I cut you off. I just wanted to get into those two things quickly, Um, but- I think my go, uh, go on. <laughs> I think I was about to ask you the question, so that actually just works out fine. Yeah, no, oh, I um, okay. I was just we're, we're getting that uh, that co-host, you know, uh, telekinesis. Where that's we're just exactly able right. To, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when in all, like, I feel like for a lot of people listening to this, probably one of the first thoughts that comes into their mind, at least I hope it is, when we're talking about church and the question of is it important for me to go, is uh, Hebrews ten twenty four through twenty five, and I'm sure we probably both have this in our. And our notes here is, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, and I want to emphasize not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I think that it's always been a, I mean, church for, for a lot of people has always kind of been a tradition or a custom, something that you do on holidays or something that you do when you want to, uh, you know, please your parents, I guess. But I think with COVID, it's become, it, I mean, it's really fallen by the wayside. The Even even those who would go to church maybe, you know, seasonally, um, now they don't even, even go at all. Um, and it, it's become such a, it, it's just, it's lost its priority, right? I mean, and I know we're going to talk about the the significance of, of church as it pertains to you know, it's it's bearing on um, you know if, if it's salvific and things like that. We're going to get into that, but I do think it's it's sad and unfortunate that that the meeting and gathering of the saints together has become something that has been seen now as was previously essential has now become like a nice to have um, if it's convenient, something like that. And I've heard a lot of people say, and even pre COVID, but especially now with with the current climate that we're in. They think they'll say things like, "I don't need to go to church because I have my own relationship with God and I do my mm-hmm. own thing or whatever that looks like." Um, I'm not, I'm not questioning your 
you know, maybe you do. Ha- I mean, I, I hope that everybody would have their own personal relationship with with Christ, but at the same time, that's not an either or, right? Like we have a, a pretty clear command not to neglect to meet together, um, to to grow. Yeah. Like you were talking about, everybody has different functions and different gifts, and and we're called to gather together to encourage, edify, you know, one another. Um, you know, and, and that's the beauty of God's people meeting together in in one kind of physical place um, as best as possible, right? To come together. Right. And, and there's, as much as I love technology and I'm so grateful for the advancements that we've made and, you know, and, and that we're able to, to broadcast and live stream and, you know, because we're able to do what we're doing right now because of technology. So I'm so grateful for it. At the same time, I don't want it to become a hindrance in that we rely on a Sunday morning live stream because we don't want to get out of bed. Um, I would say too, and, and I'm kind of all over the place here on this point, but I would say too that if you're if you're somebody who is refusing or, or is not going back to church because you feel like it's unsafe to go back, I feel like I'm probably talking to a pretty small subset of people at this point. Um, hopefully now with, you know, hopefully we're past COVID. I say that and I might eat my words, but um, hopefully we're past it. And, and you know, that's that's something that's, you know, we're not gonna have to deal with it again. But if you're still, if you're saying you're not going to church because of of health concerns or health fears, yet you are continuing to go to restaurants and movies, or no one's going to movies, but the mall or whatever, no one's going to the mall either. Where, what, okay, it's two thousand four. Wherever you're going, um, if you're going those, to those public places, events that you are, whatever public events people church. attend in twenty twenty three um, that are not church, yeah. if you are continuing to do that, I would say just check your heart. Um, see if you're justifying maybe uh, maybe deceiving yourself a little bit. At the same time, yep. um, maybe I mean just understand where how just how important it is. Uh, that's my that's really my my heart and my call behind it is is if you don't feel like it's important, ask God to to reveal to you its importance uh, through through this, His Scripture. Um, yeah, I will say caveat though on that. If you are somebody who actually has legitimate health concerns and you're unable to go to church, praise God for the the gift of live streaming. Um, please stay safe. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and kind of too, to that point, Dakota, you're, you were talking about this whole notion, uh, which I agree with you largely thanks to COVID of, oh, well, do I need to be in physical church um, or is, you know, sitting on my couch on a Sunday, drinking my coffee in my pajamas, watching a live stream, does, does that cut it, you know, in God's eyes? And it made me think of a couple of things, but the fir- the first thing is, in our church, we are going through first Corinthians right now. We're actually just about to finish it. And at the end of that letter, one of the things that our pastor pointed out is that Paul really emphasizes the importance of meaningful relationship um, in terms of making disciples and then sending those disciples out into the world to go and make new disciples, you know, and kind of that multiple, the, the kingdom multiplication, or right. uh, I think that's what it's called, um, you know, just making disciples, but you can really only do that through intentional relationships. And that's just something that's absolutely lacking over live stream. Um, like you said, I, I think there are cases um, where, for example, one of my best friends, his uncle has cancer right now, and it's hard for him to get out, you know, a get out of the house. And so live streaming a church service is fantastic right. because he he can still be nurtured um, and and given some spiritual sustenance via the live stream, which is great. You know what I mean? And so uh, that was the first thing. And then the second thing that came to my mind, and I think you kind of touched on this because you said, 
you know, you might be deceiving yourself a little bit if you're continuing to go out to bars. Right. Um, but then whenever it comes time to go to church, oh, well, COVID is a real, you know, I'm scared of getting sick or whatever. I can't take communion because people are, you know, touching it. There's germs or whatever. Right. Um, the, the thing and this, I hope that this does not come across. I mean, it's going to come across as harsh, but that's not my my heart behind it. But what I would say to a person who believes that they have some special, unique relationship with God, I would say that if you don't have fellowship with God's people, you don't have fellowship with God himself. You, those things are mutually inclusive. Um, you, you don't get to have some individuality when it comes to the church. Uh, Paul says we're baptized um, into one spirit and one body. It does. He makes no provision for people who think, oh, well, um, I don't really like how church is done. I don't really like the music that they sing. I don't really like my pastor's annoying high-pitched voice, whatever it is. He makes no provisions in that way, which I would say is provisions for the flesh. You're kind of picking and choosing things that you like or don't like about the church um, or a, a particular church service that you're attending. Um, but there's no provision. There's no example of that in scripture where an individual is said to go off and worship God on their, on their own. Right. Um, and, and the other thing is too, is we have to remember, and I didn't say this, but th- earlier, but this is one of the functions of the churches. It, it's in a sense, it prepares us for heaven. Um, when we go to heaven, it's not just that we escaped hell. That is a part of it, yes. But what it, what takes place in heaven? We sing to the Lord who saved us for all of eternity. And eternity means time without end, right? So what we do on Sundays when we're gathering with other believers and we're singing uh, you know, our, our hymns and our, our songs together and we're praising Jesus for what he has done, um, that, that's a foretaste of what heaven and I forget where I read this quote. Um, it was in a biography about Jonathan Edwards. And I think it might have been his wife who said this. She said, uh, "Make it the main business of your life to prepare for heaven." And I think church on Sundays, in particular, is a fantastic um, means to to doing that because that's what you're 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 in heaven. You're not going to be off by yourself right. and you and God holding hands, frolicking through the meadows. You're going to be in a congregation of the saints. You're going to be standing next to the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, and we're all going to be worshiping the same God, and we're going to get to do that together because God is a relational God. He is not an individualistic God, um, you know, contrary to—I I think that's more of a modern uh, thought. I don't know what you think about that, Dakota, but I, I just think in our culture, especially in the West, where we're more individualistic and it's all about my truth and all that sort of right. stuff— I feel like sometimes that cultural mindset bleeds over into the church where people will justify, oh, well, I don't need to go to church because I read my Bible and that's my relationship to God. Um, yeah, I mean, well, it's, know, it's cool so. because like, I think touching on on your, I believe you said your friend's uncle um, and how he's how he's unable to attend the, the local assembly. Um, the cool thing about the church is that it doesn't have to be just a meeting of specific people in a specific place at a certain time, the church is the people of God, right? So if in, in your friend's uncle's case, my hope would be that as you're, as he is, is only able to consume, um, you know, the, the sermon via live stream, my hope would be that after the church service ends, that the people of the church would then go in and, you know, either be with him physically, or they would come and bring food, whatever that looks like. 
Um, that yeah. is the beauty of the church. It's a it's an assembly of God's people coming together to I hate the term do life together, but to do life together <laughs> on earth. Right. That's to, such that's such a twenty uh, first century Christian. I know it is, but you deal. know we we just got docked some points big time for saying that probably, on this podcast. Probably, but but I mean it's at least I um you prefaced it at first, but you know, but like I mean that that is essentially <laughs> what it is, right? It's it's believers coming together yeah. to to encourage and lift up, um, you know, whether that yeah. be through encouraging words, through prayer. I mean, sometimes it's so we can come together and a brother can call out something that they've seen in my life that is sinful yeah. or, you know, whatever it looks like. Um, it, it's, I think psychologically we're so disconnected from, we're so connected in, in the wrong things and so disconnected where we need to be that I yeah. think that that's the, the, the church should hopefully be a place where you can come together with a bunch of messy, sinful, obviously people, because we're all fallen creatures. Um, but that we come together, we all have a common, you know, bond and, and union in that we all belong to Christ, that we all love him. We will, we, you know, want to serve yeah. him and worship him. And that when in doing we, so. We love him. We right. love him. But that also means that we have to love one another. Right. You know, like using that whole, um, you know, so you were talking about my friend's uncle and that kind of made me think of like the imagery that Paul uses is like, if, if someone's a hand and another person is, you know, the other hand or a foot or whatever, like the, the way that I kind of think of that is if your left hand is damaged, let's say you're, you know, cooking dinner, you cut up your hand with a knife. Well, you have another hand that can come in and bandage that and clean it and take care of it because that hand is kind of useless to take care of itself. And I think that's a really good image of what the body of Christ, like, yes, our first and foremost objective is to glorify and worship God together. But we're also meant to do, again, here we go with this phrase, to do life together and to edify and build up the weak, you know, the, 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 um, I hate to say the weak saints, but those who are maybe struggling, maybe they're battling affliction right. physically or spiritually. Right. The body of Christ, the church, that is our mission in this life is to build up our brothers and sisters who are struggling because God, if you are strong in your faith, it is because in God's grace, he has deemed it appropriate to give you such a strong faith. And that strong faith has to be used for the edification and building up of your brother or sister in Christ who has right. a weak faith. Well, it's important too to, and, to to say like that that classifying like a, a weak faith is not that's not like a a permanent state, right? We're talking about. I think we've all had seasons of of where our faith has been stronger or weaker. So you know, maybe maybe yeah. in in a season that I'm I'm having, you know, I'm struggling with doubt, or there's something going on in my life that I'm I'm you know, worried about or concerned about whatever it might be to be able to have, you know, to, to attend an assembly with you, Chris, and, and have you come to me and when we're talking and you're, you know, building me up and encouraging me and, and giving me truth from the word of God that maybe I haven't been able to see myself because I've been kind of clouded by whatever's going on. That just, yep. it, it, it both spiritually, most importantly, does a mighty work within me, but it, and also psychologically, you know, it, it allows kind of that cloud to be lifted when you have people that are able to come around you and, and kind of speak life into, into that situation. Yeah. And one thing too, I think we should touch on, because I think to this point, we've, we definitely established the answer to our question. Right. Necessity. Of if you're, if you're a Christian, you have to be in church. It's a non-negotiable. Right. 
Um, you know, and if you're finding yourself with excuses, we would challenge you to really do some inward reflection, ask God to open your eyes and, and address those things. Be real with yourself, you know, first and foremost, but ask God to help you in seeing the necessity of, of participating in, in your local body of believers. So now that we've established that, though, the next thing is, well, what if somebody's listening and they're not in a church and maybe they're wanting to look mm for a church, but they don't necessarily know what they should be looking for because the physical church building and the local, um, the, the local body, there's a huge, especially here in America, there is such a wide variety of theological preferences and proclivities right. and all these sorts of things. So maybe let's now transition a little bit to, we've established that you need to be in church. Now, what are some things that you should be looking for um, in terms of maybe a green light, like, hey, this seems to be a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, or right. some red flags that say, hey, you know, maybe pump the brakes and, and uh, do some further investigation to see if this is a good church for you to attend and be right. nourished uh, spiritually. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is going to be, I'd say, s- subjective opinion in that it's it's not just me just giving my, my you know, my opinion about something, something that I've that I've seen, and I think I could back it up with scripture on a lot of these points. The first thing I'm going to say is, as it pertains to when you're looking for a church, something that you should immediately put at the top of your priority list is faithful teaching of the Word of God. Um, I think that is of utmost importance. Um, I have a, a verse here. It's in Acts 20, through, Acts 20 28. Um, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I think there is a a such a responsibility on the the pastor to lead the flock faithfully. Um, you know, typically when you go to a, a I'd say regular typical church service, um, at least a, a Protestant church service, you're it's going to run roughly hour hour and a half, and I'd say probably at least sixty to seventy percent of that time is going to be teaching of the Word of God. Um, and so if if you're attending a church, if maybe you're trying out a couple different churches and you're finding that a lot of the ones you're going to, the pastor is spending uh, half of that time telling a personal story, starting off with maybe a 15 minute, you know, joke or, uh, or personal anecdote, something like that. Be very careful about that because it's, it's always a little bit concerning to me when a pastor has 30, 40 minutes of your time in a week and he spends 15 or 20 minutes of that time talking about himself I think it oftentimes will reveal a lot more about the pastor's heart and his maybe lack of understanding of how crucial his job truly is. Um, Because for some people, as unfortunate as it is, that's the only access or the only exposure to the Bible that they're going to have that week. If you spend half the time talking about yourselves, then, um, then that's just unfortunate. So I would say definitely start by, if you are really starting from scratch, maybe you've moved to a new city and you want to go to a church, but you're not sure where to go to, um, Google is a great spot, obviously, that's a, a great resource, but I would say be careful of analysis paralysis. Um, don't do so much research that you kind of become frozen with fear. I'd say find maybe two or three that you go onto their website and, um, and I'll let you, Chris, talk about some red flags on the website, but I would say just overall high level, go to their website, um, read kind of what they're about. If it sort of jives with what, you know, what your convictions are and, and you know, what the Bible says to be true, then go give it a shot, you know, go try it out. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the, the, the concern or the damage of, of having a kind of a buffet church mentality. Um, 
but but first I want to dive into kind of red flags on the the website itself. So if if somebody's diving into the website, what should they um, kind of flipping this question back on you, right? Because I've given kind of red flags in terms of if you're actually in the service, but if you're looking, what's something on the website that would be a red flag or or a green flag? Yeah, so I I think um, one thing kind of off the top of my head is that you need to find the church church's statement of faith, and um, if it's a particular denomination, like for example, if you're going to a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church and so on, um, sometimes they will just say, we prescribe to so-and-so confession. So if you're a Baptist, maybe the 1689 London Confession of Faith. If you're Presbyterian, maybe the Westminster, you know, and, and these specific denominational confessions. I think that's really important. If I were to get on a church's website and try to determine if I wanted to go to, you know, try that church and consider being a member of that local body of believers, which church membership is, I don't think we're going to have time to talk about in this episode, maybe later down the line. But if it's something that I'm prayerful, prayerfully considering, yet the church themselves is not offering me any insight as to what what does the pastor believe, what do the deacons or elders believe as a church, um, or as leaders, I should say, rather, of that local um, body of believers, that to me would be a red flag. And um, we're not about naming names on this show, and so we're not going to do that here. But we did come across, actually Dakota came across this uh, comment from a, a very well-known church. And uh, we just wanted to kind of touch on this briefly because I do think it's pretty telling of maybe some warnings that, hey, you should turn and, <laughs> and get out the door. Yeah, run. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to read this verbatim. Uh, here it says, We need your seat. We will not cater to personal preference in our mission to reach the city. We are more concerned with the people that we are trying to reach than the people we are trying to keep. And so that's concerning for a couple of reasons, but I guess the overarching reason here, and this kind of goes in nicely with what Dakota is talking about, about having this buffet mentality behind. Um, churches, you know, churches aren't a buffet where you get to pick and choose the ones that, you know, satisfy your fleshly appetite for that week. You really need to get in and commit, um, you know, to membership of that church if it's a Bible teaching church. And you don't need to be jumping all around because you're not going to create relationship that way. You're not going to have accountability. It'll actually enable you to act one way in front of a certain congregation and act a different way in front of a different congregation. And you don't want to be double-minded like that. You want to be consistent. And so for, if a church is ever sort of promoting, um, getting new people in at the expense of keeping people who are converted. And if you're listening, I just did some air quotes there converted, meaning that they maybe said a prayer and have convinced themselves that they're now saved. Um, if a church is ever promoting something like that, where it's like, okay, you've been converted, our job is done, now get out of here and make room for more, and I hate to say this crassly, but get, make room for more paying customers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the vibe that I get from from that sort of approach. And don't get me wrong, evangelism is huge. We are told to go and make disciples. But nowhere in scripture does Paul ever say, okay, uh, you Corinthians, I've rebuked you now over two letters. Um, you know, hopefully you're, you're good to go. You're set. I've corrected you in love. Now get out of there and make room for more people. Uh, that's just, you never see that happening in scripture. So that would be a red flag. Um, and I I think, and you kind of already touched on this, but the, the, the state of a church can really be seen by looking at its leadership 
And that's not something you might see on the website, but maybe you will. If you see a pastor who is constantly self-promoting, um, Dakota, you talked about that. Like if they're talking about themselves more in the sermon than they are about uh, the cross of Christ um, or, or the free invitation of the gospel, that's problematic. But if you see a pastor uh, of a church and you're considering attending that church, maybe go and look at their social media, see right. how do they carry themselves in the public light? Do they seem to actually care about the gospel and people's salvation, or do they seem to be taking advantage of their role as a pastor um, and a leader of a congregation? I would say that the, the state of the pastor's soul is pretty indicative most oftentimes of the state of the, the church itself, or that right. not, not the church, but like that local church. Yeah, I like that a lot because I think the that, that kind of makes me think of that, the, I guess paraphrasing, but something along the lines of like, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So I feel like if you go onto a onto a pastor's Instagram account and you're seeing a lot of the world, you're seeing a lot of kind of cries for for attention, something that's very clearly showing that they're trying to potentially use the church maybe to prop up their own social media standing or to sell more books, whatever that looks like. Just use get dis- celebrity friends. Yeah, I mean, just know. use discernment in that. Um, that's not to say that somebody who has celebrity friends can't faithfully preach the gospel, but I will say that it's very few and far between. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that is in that runs in those circles that is not does not have some very problematic either teaching or the way that they live their life does not you know go with along with the things that they're teaching. Yeah. Um, well, and what and, and to that point to go to what ends up happening most of the time. It'll come out, oh, so and so's best friends with Justin Bieber. And then 6 months later it comes out that the pastor's been caught in an extramarital affair and it's like that doesn't happen all the time, but there's certainly if you try to live in the world, you are not none of us are strong enough to live in the world and withstand its temptations. Right. We, ha- we have to be in a biblical body of Christ. And again, that's not to say there's not people out there who have friends that are secular and they're constantly falling into the world. But if that's your main platform, if you're flying around on jets, hanging out with celebrities and hanging out with models, you know, when you're married and all these sorts of things, that's, that's really telling about um, – you know, how, how your church is being run probably. Right. And for me personally, that's, that, uh, that is a church that I would not step anywhere near. Right. And well, and so for, I think for most people that are probably listening to this, that's probably not the case. I'm sure your pastor is probably not a, you know, celebrity, uh, you know, mega, influencer, influencer <laughs> mega pastor, whatever. Um, but I still, I, I would still say that that for, it almost makes it a little bit more difficult to be discerning when your pastor is not that because there is still potential for red flags. And I think it goes back to this whole kind of seeker sensitive sort of movement where we want to be careful in, in making sure that we're careful with that phrase, because we do want to be seeking, you know, we want to make sure that we're sensitive to those who are seeking and that we want to make sure that they're welcome, that they feel, you know, like they're welcome in, in our church um, and among our people, and that they're going to be loved and, and cared for. At the same time, we don't want that to come at the expense of those who are already in within the church. And I think when we have the mentality of the gospel is for you once, and then you don't need it anymore, or no longer applies to you, you got your dose of gospel, and now you can go, you know, make room, like you said, for the paying customers. I think it's an unfortunate way to view the gospel, because going back to our episode on this, the gospel is for every single one of us, every single day, we have to con- continually remind ourselves of it. In the function of the church, I heard somebody say like this, and I think it was a, 
it's it's kind of a, a a lighthearted way to say it, but I think it's a pretty good understanding of of the function of the church, at least in one sense, is that the church. Imagine that our our assembly of 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 believers meeting on a Sunday morning is essentially halftime of like a football game, um, or or even pregame. Right, we're we're getting all that we need. We're getting encouraged. We're getting you know uplifted. We're going through the playbook. We're we're getting built up, ready to go to get sent out into the world, and so. If we, you know, if if we're every single message is catered towards the world and bringing them in, you're going to find that you could be at a church for ten plus years, and looking back, you're not really sure what you've got out of it. Your walk has, with Christ is kind of stagnated. Um, you know, you're you're not growing in sanctification or spiritual maturity. You're not really making deep personal connections or friendships with the people in your church. You find that your you know church starts at at nine, so you're walking in the door at eight fifty nine. And then you're walking out at you know ten fifteen, and you're going to lunch, and that's kind of it. It's kind of just one of the things you do on you know yeah. on any given Sunday. You go to your favorite Tex-Mex restaurant, and you you know just like you would go to church. It's just some kind of something that you do, and it's really unfortunate in that you're really not only are you not fulfilling or, or being a part of what what you know the Bible is clearly showing church to be what it should be for us, but you're also shortchanging yourself, and that you're depriving yourself of of these deep personal friendships and connections and, um, you know, in these aids, obviously the church is not, is not a substitute for your spiritual walk. And that if you're, you can't make excuses for your lack of it because of the church that you go to, but it definitely plays a role I'd say in, in your growth and development. Yeah. Well, and you miss opportunities to be used by God. I mean, I mean, if you're not involved with the church, you're not involved with their outreach, you're not involved with a small group, you might miss the opportunity to witness to somebody that is either already a believer and needs spiritual encouragement, or you might have the opportunity to witness to a non-believer and you might have the extreme honor of God using you and working through you to bring another sheep into the fold. And so to summarize the red flags if a church is making any provision for the flesh, pray for that church, ask that God would open their eyes. But my advice would be personally, do not flirt with it. Don't say, oh, yeah. well, there's some things that I like about it. If if the church at large is making provisions for the flesh, that is not a church that um, believers need to be involved with. It's also and not your responsibility to, I'm, I'm going to say, it's also not your responsibility yeah. to go into a place that is has clear signs and evidences of the world. It's not your job to go in there and then change them from the inside out. Um, and obviously we could talk for hours on that and what that looks like, because that's obviously very complex. If you've been in a church and it's you start seeing patterns, then I'm not just saying just jump ship. But if you're seeing a church that, ref- that is showing these red flags, um, Chris, like you're saying, I would say run. Um, don't, don't even, yeah. don't even, and, with it. and maybe, and if it's a church that you're in and maybe over the last, like you were saying, Dakota, over the last 10 years, you've kind of, you look up and you're like, what happened? If you start to notice these things, but you're already a member at the church, that's why there are deacons and elders and pastors take these concerns to your pastor. I would exactly. say that if you, t- if you take this to your pastor and they tell you to get out of their office, that's, that's your sign to run. If a pastor is not willing to be corrected and rebuked, the apostle Peter um, was had to be rebuked by Paul, right? It wasn't because Peter was trying to do something wrong. He just was caught in error and Paul had to rebuke him and correct him. 
And so if you take that to your, your deacons, your elders, or whatever church structure or government your church abides by, if you take that to um, the leaders and they basically laugh you out the door, that's a pretty good sign that it's your time to find a new church. On the other hand, they might take that and you need to pray that they will take it in a way that they are willing to be, they are willing to repent. They are willing to be corrected by God and move forward. So that, that's something, and I know we're running up on time, but I, I think it was super important to us both that we touch really quickly on what to say to someone. And this is probably more so aimed at non-believers, I would, I would think, but what to say to someone if they say, I don't want anything to do with the church because the church has hurt me gravely. And if that's what church is about, that's what God's about. I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, Dakota. Yeah. You got 60 seconds. Oh boy. What, what, what do you say to that person who, who got hurt by the church at, at some point in their life and now they're not willing to give it a, a chance? Right. I would say, I, I'm sure we've all heard this before, but the mentality of people go to a hospital because they're sick. You don't go to a hospital expecting to find healthy people. I would say that the church essentially, in a sense, it can exist for a group of of people that are very unwell, that know they're unwell and know that they need a savior to come together. And so if you're going to a church expecting to find perfect people, if they're claiming to be perfect, go to a different church, please. Um, that's a huge red flag. Hopefully the church that you're going to will be full of people that know that they're sinners and are coming together to encourage, edify, grow, build one another, um, and to surrender to Christ who is perfect um, in understanding that we ourselves are sinners in desperate need of grace. And so I'd say, don't look for perfect people at a church. At the same time, the people of the, of the church need to do a much better job of, of being speaking truth in love. And I think that we're really bad at the love part. And I'm probably coming up on my minute here, but I'm just going to keep going. But I think we've, no, um, I think we've done a really poor job of, of loving the culture around us in that we stand firm on truth yet we do so in a loving way. I think we're, we're so prone to, to rejecting. We see something in somebody and we immediately just push them to the side. Um, whether that's sin, whether that's belief, whether that, whatever it looks like, if somebody comes into your church, your responsibility is to love that person to the best of your ability, um, to love them, to make them feel welcome, not to affirm their sin, not to, you know, concede to, to whatever, you know, whatever that looks like, but your job is to love them. And I'm confident that in loving that person, you will show them something that they probably never experienced from the church before. Um, if you are somebody who says that you have experienced church hurt and that's why you're refusing to go back, I want to make sure and, and say that your your feelings are very valid. I'm not trying to discredit them, but I will say, give it another shot. Um, and And my hope and prayer is that I'd say prayerfully consider where you're going to go and go in with an expectation that people are people even inside of a church. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of just, just close it there. So I want to hear your, uh, your take on that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be super fast because I know that we've, we've gone over time a little bit, but, uh, but two things first and foremost, and I saw this quote, I can't take credit for it. I saw it um, a, a while back and this whole conversation, by the way, is incredibly personal to me. There's people who I'm very close to, and um, I've talked to them about faith, and in in all instances, it starts with, well, when I was younger, somebody from X church did this, and it scarred me. Mm. So 
the first thing I'd say, and this these are this is not my words. This is a quote I saw a while back, but I think it's applicable. It said, um, "For the person who's been hurt by the church, that was man that hurt you, not Christ." Right on. Christ is not the one who caused someone who is professing his name, because we know Matthew seven, not all who say Lord, Lord are saved. And a lot of times the, the, the hurt that a person experiences is actually not from someone in the actual spiritual church. I'm not saying that it's always the case, right? but it is not always, uh, most of the time I would probably suspect that it is not a person who's been regenerate and is, and is born again and trying their best to live according to the commands and precepts of our Lord. Right. Now, I have to qualify that by saying people who are born again still sin and they still make mistakes. They still offend people. They still hurt people's feelings. But my hope would be, and this is, I'm kind of speaking to myself on this, is that if I've ever hurt someone and they knew that I was a Christian and now they don't want to come back to church, um, I hope that I would, if put in that situation, that I would have humility to go to that person and own own it and explain to them that the hurt that I caused them was not because of the Lord that I serve. It was because of my own failing and my own sin. And so that's the first thing. And then um, the second thing really is just kind of an encouragement for people who are inside the church. And Dakota, you kind of touched on this, but y'all let's really, as believers, let's really strain and stride towards the goal of not being the reason that someone has to make a comment like that later in their life. And what I mean by that is just be conscious that people do get hurt by the church and you at some point in your life may be someone to cause hurt, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But let's make it a real goal not to be like inclusive in the sense of like, oh, yeah, bring all of your sin and we'll tolerate that. You know, I'm not saying we need to accept and tolerate people's sin, but I am saying that we need to have grace and humility because when we came to Christ, we were covered in filthy rags and dirt and he showed us grace and humility and he died for us. So how much more so do we need to die to ourselves every time a new person who maybe looks a little different, maybe they've got a face tattoo or maybe they're, you know, they're fresh out of prison and, and you know that. and Right, or dressed uh, not the, in a way that you would want them yeah. to dress, whatever it looks yeah, like. Yeah, they're maybe wearing cargo shorts and sandals to church. Um, <laughs> whatever it may be, do not be the cause of that person's stumbling receive them the same way that Christ received you. Because what Christ says is his, whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Mm. And I think that kind of works both ways because we've been received by Christ. We need to receive and love people the way that he's loved us. And right. so I'll say too, I know that I'll wasn't, too, as, I, I, that wasn't as quick as I wanted it to be, but yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I'll say too, that if there is anybody listening who has experienced um, something like that, feel free to shoot us a message on, uh, on Instagram, uh, light and line podcast. I think that's our tag. Um, and we can, we'd be more than happy to to help you find a church, um, recommend some for you if you're in either the DFW area or in Houston. Um, yeah, come to we, church with us. I think we, yeah, I think we have some great churches. If you're in Houston or right. DFW, literally right. hit us up. We would love to have you at our respective churches. Absolutely. I mean, that would be that'd be great. Absolutely. But yeah, that's all I have. But uh, cool. Well, um, guys, I really hope, I mean, I, I enjoyed this conversation quite a bit, Dakota. So thanks for your time. And I hope this was edifying and encouraging to our believers, both uh, or our listeners, rather, both believers and non-believers. Um, you know, hopefully, we answered the question why it is so important why Christians are involved with church. Um, we will continue on uh, now. Dakota is in school as well, so he's getting a little flavor of that 
no free time, but we're going to continue to press on with uh, hopefully weekly releases. Uh, we're going to be working really hard, but we ask for patience and grace if we miss a week or two weeks or something. Uh, just life is really busy, but this is a priority for us both. So hopefully we'll continue to get these out regular. Uh, we're going to continue on with our critical questions um, moving forward. So until we see you guys next time, keep growing in knowledge to the glory of God, and we'll see you then.